You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Final Rise, Onyx Hunt, Nastra, Gunner Kennels, and Anookshook Professional Dog Food. And you're listening to episode 97, part two with Eric Peterson. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen now. I want to thank my sponsors, Final Rise Gear. Guys, Final Rise Gear, uh, Matt Davis and his team over in Utah, guys, are creating some of the highest quality premium Upland gear there is, uh, period. There's just nothing better when you're looking at an Upland vest, a gun case, accessories, and a system that's going to fit how you hunt. Uh, look no further than Final Rise. Uh, check them out at finalrise.com. Uh, the Summit Vest has treated me so well since day one, going on year three. Um, it's something that holds up and you can customize to no end. So check out Final Rise. Also want to thank Onyx Hunt. Onyx Hunt is the number one digital mapping tool in the world. Uh, it's a necessity. It is something that is just for every bird hunter to open up uh, new areas, uh, publicly accessible land. Onyx Hunt is where it's at. Uh, you are going to just get to explore so much more of this beautiful country and knowing exactly where you stand. I also want to thank Nastra. National Shoot to Retrieve Association. Uh, Nastros has been one of those awesome organizations to, to partner with and also to participate in. Uh, as a Nastro member, I've gotten to meet some incredible people who are not only mentors to me, uh, but people that have, have helped me along the way in having my own bird dogs and hunting and uh, just learning everything there is to be a bird hunter uh, here. So check out Nashra today. Uh, become a member. Uh, find a trial near you. They have tons and tons of trials happening across the country. Uh, and it's a great way to jump in, meet some great folks with Nastra. I also want to thank Anookshook Professional Dog Food. Anookshook uh, is the only thing I will feed my dogs. It is high quality, uh, high protein, dense formula that keeps my dogs going on the longest of hunts. Uh, summer, winter, fall, spring, the, the whole thing. Uh, my dogs are always on Anookshook. Uh, they have different formulas. It's going to fit your needs for your dogs. Check them out at anookshookpro.com. And last but not least is Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the best kennels on the market today, period, hands down. End of story. I could end it right here, but I won't. Uh, I've tried every kennel brand on the market today, and Gunner is the only one I trust with my dogs. Uh, carrying them across country on the road, hunting trips to the vet appointments, whatever I'm doing, I'm putting them in a Gunner kennel. Uh, Gunner's got some incredible products, not just the kennels, but fan kits, accessories, orthopedic pads, food crates, bowls, bumpers, uh, you name it. Check out GunnerKennels.com today and uh, get your hands on uh, some of their products. You will experience the difference. You'll experience how every product is intentionally built and engineered to the nth degree. So check out GunnerKennels.com. Well, welcome back to the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson, and this is episode 97, part two of my conversation with Eric Peterson. Uh, our conversation got so good, I decided to break it up into two parts. Uh, so I'd highly recommend, if you have not listened to episode, or part one, uh, which would be episode 96, if you've not listened to that yet, Hit pause, go back, give that one a listen, and then jump back in here to episode 97. Again, lots of great content, and uh, just Eric unpacking his story and some of the creative 
process in producing high quality videos that are, are really telling a story. And I just got really, really fascinating. And so um, hope you guys have been enjoying this uh, little mini, mini two-part series as much as I did. And so without further ado, we are going to jump right back into our conversation with Eric. Yeah, that's uh, that was kind of a one and done. We had talked about doing a second season, and then Matt said, "Let's let's do this other thing." So, I don't know if we'll go back to that. Um, it's a lot of the the filming and the hunting part was awesome, and we had a blast. The hard part is all at least for me is always the finding sponsors and fundraising and marketing and social media and sure. all the other parts of it that you know go into it when it's really just me and my business partner Jasper doing yeah, it all doing all the aspects. Um, yeah. That's crazy. So I don't, uh, as of now, that was a, a single season and we've kind of moved on yeah. from that. Um, and I like this newer new model that we did last year of just picking interesting characters in the Upland world and, and doing kind of profiles on them. Yeah. Um, and keeping me, out from in front of the camera and <laughs> you're you like, know, you're like, sign me up all day for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Talk about a little bit. Um, again, this is, this is where it gets interesting for me. I've, I've talked a little bit more about the creative process and the storytelling, because I think that the cool hmm. part is, again, you can probably speak to this way better, but you're not just grabbing a camera, filming someone's hunt, you know, kind of a step by step. Oh, we found the birds, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There's such a story behind your films that, that the ones I've seen, so talk a little bit more about like the storytelling aspect and the creative aspect of that goes into this, this really well done film or the well done films you're doing. Yeah. I mean, my whole career has been, I guess if I were to label myself now, I'd call myself a storyteller because my, uh, the medium has changed so many times for me. I started out actually writing, then doing still photography, now film. I still write occasionally. So the medium changes a lot. The, the, the common theme, though, is the storytelling. And I think my career as a photojournalist really helped me hone that um, part of it. Uh, so now, yeah, it's, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to dissect this thing. Um, I mean, for me now, it's like I'm, I'm looking for characters that have layers of depth to them uh someone who's a bird hunter is not terribly interesting in and of itself (laughs) so what else you know what else what challenges have they had in life or what struggles have they had to overcome or what interesting other things do they have that can tie into this bird hunting to make it a more universal story because i think in order to um to appeal to a wider audience, it's got to be more than just hunting. It's got to be more than just bird hunting or dogs. Those things are all super interesting to most of us. Um, but there's got to be some like universal story or universal truth at the end of it that, that the audience walks away with. And I think that's the difference between like go out and film a hunt and, and the narrative arc in that is we went out, we found the thing, we conquered it end of story right um and generally i'm looking for more than that you're you're still following that narrative arc of beginning middle and end like you're working towards some kind of climax or pinnacle in the story and then resolving any conflict that came up it's no different than if you're writing a book or or shooting a 
Hollywood film in my mind. Obviously, this is a scaled down version in a huge way from a Hollywood film, but you're still taking those classic storytelling techniques, which is, uh, you know, there's got to be some conflict, whether it's internal or external. There's got to be um, a point where that conflict is resolved. So those those things that they taught 100 years ago in journalism classes or in storytelling classes, those still hold true. Um, and then, yeah, and then the depth to the character, I think, is really important because the more... Uh, the more there is to a character, the more the uh, the audience will relate to them. Yeah. I think, because no, you know, you, if you watch something that the person easily succeeds at what they do, it's hard to like relate to that person because none of our lives are that sure. easy. We all we all face struggles, whatever they are, um, and I think that's, I mean, that's life, and that's what makes a good story. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that everything you just said there, as a as a viewer i guess i guess of some of your your shorts and your videos and things like that it's those things are felt and that's what again everything you're saying like those are the pieces i connect with because again it's, it's a very mm -hmm. different thing of watching a video of going out to hunt you you get your limit mm -hmm. and you get in the truck and go home that, that's one kind of video but the, the, the videos you're putting out yeah. and some of the things you've worked on have those complex layers and that, i think that's just as a viewer yeah. what draws me into watching some of those three four times <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you. I think a good example of that is, is the one that was just released by final rise that we did that we shot last fall called devil's claw. Yeah. And Robert, Robert poor was an amazing guy, a great character. Um, we went into it knowing essentially only that he's a bird hunter, uh, hadn't met the, met him before we, I did a pre-interview with him to get a bit of information about him and just kind of uh, at least have some guideposts sure. to, to lead the story. But it really wasn't until we got down to Arizona and spent a couple of days hunting with him that the details of his life started to come out and, and um, we were able to kind of tease out some of those interesting parts of his life. Like, I mean, this guy, uh, and maybe, have you seen yeah. that one? Yeah. Okay. So he's, you know, he looks like a, curmudgeonly old guy not old guy he's not an wow, old guy Rob, robert don't send me hate mail sorry robert. uh <clears throat> sorry robert. send it to eric not old he i, I shouldn't even say he, he does have a I'm sweet mustache he looks, so he's got that like old school yeah, he, yes he looks old school he looks a little rough but he's got an amazing sense of humor you would never guess it but he's like the godfather of memes i mean he makes these amazingly funny upland hunting <laughs> memes that you would not, if you looked at him, you'd be like, that guy doesn't, he's not on Instagram. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a great sense of humor and great. And uh, so all like these things started to come out in the days that we spent with him. And then, you know, we were talking about all the pokey things that'll get you in Arizona. And he described to us this devil's claw. And, and it wasn't until like day three of hunting with him that this concept of like, here's this guy who's, who's making a concerted effort to get people out and appreciate the things that he loves, this landscape, the birds, the sport of upland hunting, especially Mern's quail, sure. like very, um, very important yeah. to him. And he's dispersing this knowledge to anyone who asks essentially he's a, he's a wealth of information and he's happy to share it with people. 
and it and it was much like the story you told about this devil's claw which is a uh, pokey thing that attaches to sure. you in the in the arizona desert and then disperses its seeds by traveling along on your pants leg um so that was i mean that that's like one example of and so you didn't go of, in with that you learned that as you were filming no yeah which often happens it's like until you spend enough time with a person and really get to know them on a deeper level that stuff doesn't come out like uh it i feel like hunting is on a on a very scaled down and i hesitate to say this because it's really not related at all but it's like going to battle with someone like you if you spend enough time outdoors whatever you're doing whether it's rock climbing or kayaking or skiing or hunting you go through challenges together and it develops this bond and in that bond comes a connection that allows you to communicate on a different level and get and, you know garner information about a person that you would never otherwise know um and that's often the case is like this stuff doesn't come out until you spend enough time with someone and i think that's another big uh takeaway from my days of photojournalism is it takes time to get to that level of storytelling yeah. So, so kind of like what you're sharing with, with the story you did in Robert here, do you typically go into films like these with like a full written out like story or, or do you, is your approach, you kind of let it develop, you kind of get to know them personally and, and let the film go where it goes? Um, it sort of depends on the film early, early in my filmmaking days, I was very documentary style. So I would roll with the character for months at a time and let the story unfold as it goes. Um, the deeper into this we get, the more polished our work gets, and that just requires more scripting and more planning ahead and more like storyboarding and figuring out what the story is, how we're going to tell the story, but also what visuals are going to go along with that in order to convey that story visually as well as you know audibly. Okay. So the... Yeah, it sort of depends on the story. It sort of depends on the character. And that's developed as I've gotten more into this filmmaking is um, for, for a more polished end product, it requires a lot more work on the front end of, you know, pre-interviews, learning about the person, spending time with them, storyboarding, lining everything out, figuring those details out. And then you hit the ground with them and you've got a pretty good roadmap of what you're trying to tell. That Sometimes that changes Sometimes it's a 180 and the story you set out to tell is not the story that you end up with, yeah. and, you know, just being, uh, flexible enough to roll with that is also, I think a pretty important element of storytelling. Absolutely. Um, I mean, from your, so from your time with doing the video work and then the photojournalism, what is, uh, do you, is it harder to tell a story with photos in your mind? Is it harder to tell a story with video easier? Like if you had to kind of wrestle with that, um, logistically video is a lot harder. It requires more people. It requires more equipment. It requires more time on the ground. Um, from an, from a storytelling to be effective storytelling with still photos, you have to be really good. Like to capture in a photo or a series of photo, a series of photos, um, enough information to tell a story is much more challenging because you don't have audio. You don't have, you don't have as much depth okay. at your fingertips to work with. Okay. So uh, it, it's harder to convey a story with photos, but it's harder 
uh, logistically uh, on the, to put yeah, together a story film with crew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it does. That does. I was curious on that one. Um, going back to the, the tailgate tales real quick. Uh, again, it was, a, it was a very unique series you did because it was, again, you tied in the artist aspect. How, yeah. I mean, I, I guess, how did you learn about the, the different artists that you featured in there? that also bird hunted. That's, that's a very specific, very niche kind of group, even niche, I guess, within the niche yeah. of upland hunting. Um, how, yeah. how did you kind of find them and how did that idea really come about and, and get flushed out? Uh, honestly, the idea came about on a chairlift when Jasper and I were skiing one day. Uh, we want, we wanted, we were trying to figure out a way to incorporate our video skills into the upland world. We didn't want to do just, we wanted to do something really unique and something really different. Um, there's a series that Canna Outdoors has done. I'm trying to think of what it's called now. It's all in the waterfowl um, world. Oh, I can't think of the name of it now. But he basically he's he's an amazing storyteller and he travels across I think all fifty states. Um, and is still telling these stories. Anyway, that was kind of the model. This guy was doing some amazing storytelling in the waterfowl world, and we thought nobody's doing that in the uplands. Um, somebody's got to. Some, uh, it's going to happen. Why not? Why not us? So, yeah, the the idea was birthed on the chairlift skiing one day, and the characters. Um, I mean, Montana is a wealth of <laughs> interesting characters and bird hunters and artists. Um, most of them I actually knew ahead of okay. time. Um, the musician we had, I, I shot, um, he actually scored a film that I shot for Patagonia years oh, ago. Right um, so, and he had gotten hunt, into hunting later in life. And I thought there's so many, um, you know, adult onset, whatever, sure. whatever we're calling yeah. those people now. Uh, I think it's the right term. Hunters. I think, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's so many of the, that style of hunters that we wanted to include someone like that who hadn't gotten into hunting and, you know, until they were an adult. Um, so he was a good fit. Uh, the tattoo artist was a buddy of Jasper's and, and that episode, I actually got a oh, tattoo right. of yeah, my yep. I remember that. short hair flushing a rooster, <laughs> uh, which was fun. Um, so he was a, a friend of Jasper's and then, uh, Chris Dombrowski, who's a writer and poet out of Missoula. I had photographed him for some magazines in the past. I knew he was a big bird guy. He's got an English setter, um, and an amazing writer. And so I, I had photographed him before, uh, Amber Blazina, who is a wildlife artist. She was a connection from someone I knew that, that was suggested to me. And she was a, wonderful human and a great artist and fun to visit with her. And then, um, yeah. And then Matt, I guess was yeah. the, the last one. And, and I got connected to him. I bought a final rise vest early on. I think I was, you know, one of the, one of the early, um, buyers of that vest when he just got started. And then I shot some photos of birds and dogs and his vest and sent them to him and said, Hey, this is, this is what I do. If you ever need, you know, marketing photos or whatever, this is, this is my wheelhouse. And so we connected that way. Awesome. Um, and that's, you know, led to a great relationship. Yeah. Dude, that's so cool. That's I think, so I think Matt needs yeah. to start putting like serial numbers in these vests. So we, 
we, I've, I've talked to more and more people, you, a couple other, a couple other people, uh, who, again, we're, we're in that early, early, uh, stage of, of best orders. And so I'm always yeah. curious, like who got the first one? Who yeah. got, it would be really interesting who to got know number like, one, Matt, my top 10, my top yeah. 20. <laughs> I kind of just want to know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's idea. Too funny. <laughs> um, a couple more things on, on this kind of the topic here, uh, Eric. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the the Ripples project you've uh, you've been doing with Pheasants Forever? Uh, talk a little bit what what that is and what you've been doing with them. Uh, yeah, I mean, man, Ripples was probably the most deeply personal film project I've ever done. Like I said, I'm I'm, um, I'm not a big fan of being in front of the camera. Uh, my journalism background almost makes it feel wrong to turn the camera on myself. But um, I wrote a story for Pheasants Forever Journal probably four years ago now about my adopted son, Casa, who's black, um, and getting him into hunting and and this kind of the struggles for him being a black kid and a really, you know, largely white, um, pastime or endeavor, uh, and, and how it's hard, it was hard for him to really embrace something in which he couldn't see himself in. Like there were no role models, there were no black role models for him to look at in the upland world. And alongside of that or parallel to that was this glaringly obvious fact in my mind that unless we broaden the the user group of hunters in particular uh, upland hunters obviously in this case um there's not going to be many of us left like it, it traditionally has been an old white guy sport right and no that's not a knock on old white guys i'm one of them now <laughs> um but but like it needs to expand beyond that in order to survive in my mind. Like we need to open it up to more kids and women and people of color. And uh, so that was the magazine story that I wrote was kind of this wrestling with, I have a black kid who loves to hunt. He doesn't have a lot of role models. There's not a lot of people out there for him to look up to, to grasp onto. Like he loves soccer too, but he can watch a soccer game and see someone who looks like him, Connection, which yeah. helps, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote that story and probably nine months later, I got a message on Instagram from this guy named Douglas Spala out of the blue who said, I read your story and I have a very similar story as Casa. And I would love to be that role model that you're looking mm -hmm. for. And it kind of blew me away and it kind of freaked me out because I didn't know this guy from Adam. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so we connected and talked on the phone and he kind of told me about his story. He's a black guy who was adopted into a white hunting family in a small town in Nebraska, um, real similar to Costa's story. Uh, and he was like, I, I, I want to help Casa. Like I'm, I'm here to help. I want to, I want to be a positive influence in the upland hunting world. So we talked and uh, ultimately what came out of that was this idea. Let's, we should do a, like, first he said, I want to bring my dad 
to Montana and I want to hunt me and my dad and you and Casa mm. together. I think it'd be really cool for Casa to see like a mirror image sure. of you guys out in the, out in the uplands. So we talked about that of them coming up to Montana and hunting. And then pretty soon it kind of turned into, well, maybe we should, maybe we should, you know, turn this into a film. So I reached out to pheasants forever. I've worked with them in the past and they were amazing and said, yeah, let's do it. This, this sounds mm-hmm. awesome. So Douglas came to Montana. Um, I, I got a handful of friends together in the film world because obviously I wasn't going to be running camera. I had to be in front of it again for that one. Um, and we spent a week in central Montana hunting and filming and telling the story about, you know, what it means to be black in the upland hunting world, what it means to, um, to have mentors, you know, that look like you or that, uh, that you can relate to and what it means to expand this thing that we love and be more inclusive. Wow. Dude, that is, that is (laughs) kind of blew me away, honestly. That's uh, that's pretty awesome, man. I love that you guys were able yeah. to kind of collaborate on that, and Douglas reached out. Um, I, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of um, just hearing that that piece that you shared, kind of your passion behind that, and just the excitement. I'm sure there's lots of stories that'll come out from that, or impact that'll come out from that. Have you guys heard yeah. anything since that came out of of any stories of of impacting other kids or, or people of color out there um, that, that that story yeah. has touched? Yeah. It's- it's been amazing. I mean, the name of the film is ripples and, uh, the intent of that was like more what Douglas is doing. He's creating ripples in the world by stepping out and becoming this mentor, not just for Casa, but now he's on the board of, on the national board of pheasants forever. And he's like, he's put himself out there in the public in order to move this movement forward, which I think is really cool. And, the ripples he's created with that are are far beyond what we'll ever know. Uh, but the ripples that have come from the film too have been astounding. Like I've got gotten so many messages of people, uh, a lot of other adopted families actually, who who have said, you know, we we adopted a black kid too, uh, and and we're a big hunting family, and it's just really impactful to have this. Um, this model and this film and this, this movement to kind of show their kids and show that they're not the only ones. Um, and it's, I mean, it's created friendships too. I had a guy who works in Ethiopia in the adoption world and he's like, Hey, if you ever want to go take Casa back, if you ever, you know, it gets opened some amazing doors. So it's, it's been really cool. It's amazing to get that feedback, um, from people and how it's impacted their lives. That's incredible, man. Is Casa, is he yeah. your 13-year-old or your older one? Yeah, okay. he's the younger. Okay. Yep. Okay. Dude, that's so cool. I love that. Um, yeah. what, uh, what what projects do you have coming up? Do you have anything that you can share about kind of on the horizon or anything exciting you want to share or tease anyone with? Um, there's, there's the final, final Rise film of the year that's dropping – is this is becoming a theme and I don't want to make it sound like uh, I'm the subject of all my films now, but uh, <laughs> the third of the, of the three films that we did for final rise last year was about the boys, my boys and I, oh, heck yeah. and, That's awesome. and hunting. Uh, that wasn't my idea. We were, 
we 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 had settled on Amanda Ballinger as the first one, and Robert Poor as the second one, and we were tossing around ideas for the third character that we were going to do. And we had a handful of ideas, and none of them quite panned out. And when we were up in Northeast Montana, sharp tail hunting with Matt, filming the the first of the three episodes last September, and he said, "You know, honestly, if if I had my pick, we'd do the third one about mm-hmm. you." And I was like, mm, no, <laughs> hard pass. Like a very good idea at all. <laughs> hard pass. <laughs> I did that with ripples. I'm not really interested. And then we kept tossing around other ideas, and and Jasper was finally like, Eric, I think the one that's going to be the most interesting story is going to be about you and your wow. boys. Um, so I was kind of overruled, uh, and I'm glad we did it. It it turned out really cool. It's, uh. I won't say anything more about it. You should just watch it. It comes out, I think, next week. Okay. Um, it'll 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 be out in August, so keep an eye out for that one. Um, that's that's probably the biggest one. That's probably the only one I can share sure. right now. Okay, besides your um, caribou hunt that got canceled. <laughs> yeah, that'll hopefully hopefully happen at some yeah. day. But um, oh, but yeah, I'm excited for that yeah. one to come out. I, it, it turned out really good in spite of me being in it jasper did an amazing job with the filmmaking uh and a big part of the storytelling too so that's awesome i'm pretty excited to get that one out i'm pretty i'm proud yeah, of that one i bet man uh, i mean the, the first two have been incredible seeing the the one on amanda Thanks. and the one on robert um robert was a guest on the podcast a couple couple episodes ago um, i had him on and again it, the the layers of, of robert um, i thoroughly enjoyed that conversation we, we obviously yeah. talked about the memes and and but more of his I think that's what, at least online, that's what Robert's known for, kind of his his, his memes. But when you, yeah. I don't want to make the onion comparison, but when you peel back yeah. the onions, when you sit down with this guy, yeah, um, there is so much richness there of yeah. who he is, a his lot. upbringing, like you shared, his wealth of being able to share knowledge, not not pins. Yeah, let's be very clear, not 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 yeah. onyx onyx pins, but his his wealth of hey, let me teach you, let me let me take you out in this country and show you, and you know, walk alongside someone. That's that's the cool part. Um, yeah, I get to sit down with someone and, and hear that. Yeah, and he's just a really intelligent oh. guy. It's fun to talk. Oh, to yeah, his wealth of knowledge. Know. That's pretty incredible. So, anyways, we're looking forward to that yeah. uh, that next and last final rise film for the season. So, we're excited. Yeah. Um, well, one of the as we kind of close this thing out here, Eric, um, a couple of the, the standing questions I like to ask every guest. Um, kind of the big one here is, is thinking about the new hunter out there. Thinking about someone who's who's maybe just getting into upland hunting, bird dogs, whatever it might be. What is a piece of advice that you would share with them? Uh, I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd say find a friend or a mentor who's willing to show you the ropes because I think the wheel has already been invented. It doesn't pay to reinvent the wheel. It, I think you can bypass a lot of uh, mistakes, both in dog training and hunting by finding someone knowledgeable who's willing to share that knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, don't take yourself too seriously. (laughs) This is supposed to be fun, right? Uh, I think it's easy when you're starting out to take it really seriously, but ultimately we're doing this for fun and to get outside. That's so good, man. I love that. Um, all right, then uh, last section here will be a rapid fire questions. Um, so I'll ask you a few series of questions and you go, go ahead and give me your off the cuff answer and uh, we'll okay. bring this thing home. 
Okay. All right. Uh, for you, Eric, what came first, the dog, the gun, or the bird? Oh, the dog. Yeah, definitely the dog. That first black lab, like I said, sent me down the rabbit hole that I still haven't recovered from. <laughs> <laughs> the endless rabbit hole. Um, what gun are yep. you carrying into the field and why? Uh, Browning Satori 12 gauge, because that was the gun that was given to me for a high school graduation present by my parents and pretty much with few exceptions, the only gun I've shot since. Okay. <laughs> right on, <laughs> right on. All right. Similar to that one. Uh, what, uh, if you had to pick one gauge for the rest of your life, what gauge are you going with? Oh, I, I'd have a hard time putting the Satori down just cause I've shot it so long now and I shoot it pretty well, but I do, I've started shooting 20 gauge a bit more, okay. uh, which I love to, I love to carry just the lightweight and I've started hunting, you know, smaller birds other than pheasants lately. And it's nice to have something a bit smaller. So over, under, over, over, under regardless, cause that's what I shoot best, okay. but yeah, probably a 20 gauge okay. over under. Okay. Very cool. That's, that's interesting. Your, your, your favorite gun's a 12 gauge, but if you, if you had to narrow it down, you're, you're picking a 20 gauge. Yeah, I mean, if you'd asked me 5, 10, 15 years ago, I'd have said 12-gauge all the way, but I think... You've adapted. Yeah. You've seen the light, Eric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, either that or I'm just getting weak because carrying that 12-gauge around gets heavy <laughs> after a true. while. That's true. <laughs> First couple of years of, uh, of bird hunting, I carried around a Benelli Supernova pump, and I think, I swear, yeah. 12 pounds, man, carrying that thing, <laughs> that thing through a field. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. brutal. Yeah, you get you get smarter. Yeah, that's true. Time, a little bit, a little bit, slowly. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite breed of dog besides the ones you own or have owned? Oh, English Setter. I think they're about as pretty as you can get. Watching them run in the field, yeah. I've got several friends who have one and have hunted behind some and filmed some, and yeah, I just I like their style and they're just so pretty to watch run. Yeah. There's some incredible dogs. Probably my next. Dog I was too. gonna say, is there any any plans for a, for a setter pup here soon? Or, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll most likely be the next one. I love experimenting with different dog breeds. I'm not like a one breed guy at all. I love mixing it up, and you know, all the breeds have different strengths and weaknesses, and it's fun to uh, explore that and tease out some of those strengths yeah. and figure out what what really fits best for the terrain you're hunting or the birds you're hunting or yeah, whatever. Absolutely, so. that's cool, man. Um, all right, favorite bird to hunt and why? And I'm going to actually throw a curveball at you. You can't okay. say pheasant. Oh, geez. Because <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. You can't say pheasant. Favorite bird to hunt besides a pheasant? 100% pheasant all the way, but if I can't say pheasant, oof. Uh, man, I haven't even thought of another bird because really there's no other comparison in my mind. <laughs> Hey. uh chucker i guess okay. and i haven't spent, yeah i haven't spent much time doing it i've only done it once in utah with okay. matt but uh i love the the terrain it made me feel like i was elk hunting again but i got to bring my dog oh, along right so it was kind of the best yeah, of right on. <laughs> i love being in the mountains and that terrain is so gnarly and you know requires a lot of physical stamina and i like that part that's of it that's cool that's cool all right um best and worst gear purchase for you in the last year or so and your favorite piece of gear you've, you've purchased and maybe one you bought and you're like, this was dumb. <laughs> why, why did I do that? Oof. I mean, my favorite 
I didn't purchase this in the last year, but my favorite piece of gear is definitely my final rise <laughs> vest. Cause I think that's the most often Thank used you. and the most utilitarian piece of equipment we as bird hunters use. Uh, and the whole point of it is I don't have to buy one every year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, man, worst gear. I don't even, uh, you know, probably boots. I have a hard time okay. finding good boots that are w- waterproof. Okay. <laughs> good. You go. My feet are always oh, wet. <laughs> going through those things like, well, I was going to make a pun. No, that's a bad pun. I was going to say going through those things like water, but. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a huge gear junkie. I find something that works like my 12 gauge Satori going. or, or my, you know, Sony camera. And I, make it work for my purposes and I make it last. And, uh, so yeah, I'm not a huge gearhead. whether it's cameras or, or hunting stuff. I just kind of figure out what works and go with it. That's awesome, man. That's a, that's a, that's another good and good piece of advice too, even for anyone getting into it. It's, you know, you don't, you don't need all the, all the newest gear, things like that. And that's, I, I'm preaching myself a little bit yeah. too, because I am more of a gear junkie, but, um, I think yeah. that's, that's, that's a growth area I would say for me. I mean, I, I appreciate that. And people that I hunt with, like, I like learning about new gear. I like seeing what other people are using sure. because I'm not that way. And some, there are times when I wish I was, I, I don't, I don't look down at those people. I think it's a strength as much as, as much as a sure, weakness, sure. but it's, I've just never been wired that way to like geek out on the gear yeah. part. Yeah. It's like, let's go totally. do it. Let's, let's just go do go. it. Let's go climb that chucker hill. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Two more here for you. Uh, your go-to snack on a hunting trip. Ooh, nutter butters. Nutter butters. Oh, good old. I haven't had one of those in years. Yeah, they don't melt. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's so true. Let's put yeah, a couple of those in the pocket it. and off yep. you go. That's you might yeah. be the first guest. I, I actually know you're the first guest to say nutter butters. So, <laughs> congrats. <laughs> I always like getting different, different answers. You hear some weird stuff, man. There's, I've, what's, what's the weirdest answer you've had there? Um, it's some kind of a, a pie. Someone mentioned it's like this meat pie. Oh. You get like gas stations Ooh. or something. I think maybe from Montana or North Dakota or something, but, uh, Sounds it's like, yeah, it's like this little mini meat pie. Um, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's hard to describe. That was a weird one. And then they're like, Oh, you heat it up on, you know, open your, engine hood and put it in the engine and it heats it up for a little bit. I'm like, that sounds like way too much work for a, for a hunting snack. Yeah. <laughs> but they, my, my food game is about as strong as my gear game. It's just, not, it's just like, grab what's in the, in the fridge. Peanut butter and jelly. That'll uh-huh. work. Yeah. Uncrustables, man. It's the way to go. You, you, they're frozen. You put them in your cooler by the time you, oh, by the time it's go. lunchtime. You just, those things are perfect. That's a good call. Um, good all right. Last one. Beverage of choice after a hunt. Oh, I don't drink anymore. So, uh, actually athletic brewing makes a really good non-alcoholic IPA oh, that, nice. that I love. Okay. I, they, they actually taste good. Is it a Montana and, brewing company? No, I, I think they're East coast, okay. but you can kind of find them everywhere now. They've kind of gotten popular. Oh, nice. So yeah, I mean, I'm a big coffee drinker Heck too, yeah. but Heck yeah. after the hunt, probably a athletic brewing beer i there guess you go, man. and coffee i mean you can do coffee before and after a hunt or during yeah yeah i i do usually all day <laughs> there you go <laughs> oh man well eric this has been so much fun man where um if people want to follow along on, on kind of some of your work your stories you know, what's what's the best place to follow along instagram facebook your website 
Yeah, Instagram. Uh, and it's just Eric Peterson Photo. Eric is with a K and Peterson is S-E-N. Okay. But yeah, Eric Peterson Photos is kind of my website and social media presence all wrapped up in <laughs> one, go. I guess. Keep it simple, right? <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I also appreciate the E-N. I, I get the... Everyone thinks I'm an O-N, Larson. And, uh, oh, yeah. So I'm, a, I'm an E-N, so it's always a... It's a good Midwest name. Yeah. Where where did you, you grow uh, up? Chicago. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's a good Midwest oh, spelling, yep. right? Just, to <laughs> Just throw them off a little bit. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. Well, Eric, um, this truly, this has been, um, I can't say my favorite conversation because, you know, I'm going to piss someone off. <laughs> but Yeah, Robert this, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah Robert will. Yeah, he'll, he'll throw <laughs> um, But this has been a blast, man. I've really loved unpacking your story more. And uh, thanks for just articulating kind of the storytelling piece of, of some of your work. Um, and that was a part yeah. I was most excited to get into a little bit. Um, I've had, I had some other people just talk about film and photos and all that stuff, which is super fun. Uh, but I really was excited to dive yeah. into that aspect more. So thanks for unpacking that. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, this has been yeah, fun. Thanks for having me on. Man. Appreciate it. Well, we will talk to you soon, I'm sure. And uh, good luck this season. I know it's kind of right around the corner for a lot of us. And so Yeah, it's coming yeah, up quick. Good luck. Have, uh, have a blast with your, with your kids out there. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll cross paths someday. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Thank Thanks. you, Will. All right. Well, that's a wrap of my mini two-part series with Eric Peterson. Uh, Eric, thank you so much, man. Thanks for just taking time to really thoughtfully unpack um, more uh, of who you are and some of the work you've you've done and the intentionality that you put into each and every uh, video series that you have done. Uh, they have been a big blessing to me, and I know a lot of people uh, give us a taste uh, of watching high-quality uh, videos on bird hunting and really the stories behind it. Um, again, I just know high quality videos like that are something that can capture uh, someone's interest. Maybe a new bird hunter who's who's kind of on the fence about getting into something like this. Uh, I think your videos have have the ability to really uh, connect at a heart level with the uh, the audience. And so, all that to say, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for jumping on here, man. Hey, um, that is a wrap. Uh, be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, head on over there. Uh, love seeing reviews, what the show means to you, uh, how the show's impacting you in some way or another. And uh, yeah, be sure to share it with a friend on social media. I love seeing uh, sharing an episode. You know, you share it in a story, a post, whatever it might be, and just saying, hey, this was great because of x uh you know what is that for you whether it's a dog trainer i've had on or someone sharing some stories or how they got into hunting what is it what's that thing for you uh, that you are taking away and enjoying from the podcast until next time go put some miles on those boots and follow your favorite bird dog take care